0: Support us, support the show, and enjoy an ad-free listening experience. Waywardradio.org slash adfree. Thank you. You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett.
1: And I'm Martha Barnett. You know that feeling when you're on a plane or a train or a bus and other people are boarding and you're sitting there and you really, really, really hope the seat next to you doesn't <laughs> yes! get taken? Yes. You know that feeling, yes. Grant. And do you have little strategies or behaviors that you use to uh, keep I people off the I do the same seat? thing they
0: say to defend against some animals. I make myself look big. <laughs> I put my arms akimbo. <laughs> Kind of like puff up a little bit, sit up straight. uh And people are like, oh, I don't want to sit next to that guy. He's hogging it. That guy. (laughs) Try to look sweaty.
1: There are words for those kinds of behaviors. Oh, there are? Yes. What are they? Well, they're brand new words, actually. And they are really clever words that are part of a new ad campaign by the Irish rail system. It's called Give Up Your Seat. Mm
2: -hmm. And they've
1: done this really clever thing where if you're sitting on a train there, you can look up, and there are these beautiful signs. And they look like beautiful dictionary entries, one word per sign. Mm -hmm. So, for example... Here's one, fromaging, and it says, verb, fromaging, the act of faking a rummage in one's bag for something that does not exist. Fromagers have also been known to place their bag on the seat beside them so as to deter any potential neighbors. Oh, that
0: totally is what people, I don't do that. I know that move. (laughs) You don't
1: fromage? No,
0: and and, and the thing is, it allows you to avoid eye contact.
1: Exactly. (laughs) There's that, and then here's another one, snoofing. Snoofing? You know what snoofing is? That's the practice of feigning a dormant state or spoofing a snooze in order to avoid any interaction with other passengers, least of all having to relinquish one's seat.
0: I don't do that one. Never that one either. You've never snoozed. No, in snoofers, I call them on it because I'm like, oh, he's sleeping. He won't mind if I scoot him over.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just thought this was a brilliant ad campaign for give up your seat. They've got a hashtag, give up your seat. And we have Ellen Garrett of Oberlin, Ohio, to thank for uh, calling this to our attention she just got back from ireland and these signs are all over the the train cars and i'll share some more later in the show i bet
0: those hang on and they become really negative and pejorative fast Uh
1: we'd love to hear from all you fromagers and snoofers out there call us 877-929-9673 with your language question or send it to words at waywardradio.org hello you have a way with words
3: hi this is uh aaron west Uh, I'm calling from Northern California in Crescent City. I have a question here that perhaps you guys are the only ones who can answer, and it's been really bugging me for a while now. You see, here in Crescent City, I review garage sales for the uh, newspaper here.
1: Oh, my gosh. You're like Yelp for garage
0: sales. I'm imagining Rotten Tomatoes, but instead of tomatoes, (laughs) he uses stained mattresses.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of stained mattresses out there. Actually, <laughs> I even got one for free. Um, but so I have this problem, however, and and that's when I'm reviewing the garage sale, post garage sale, and I'm writing about it. I've become like when when I say garage sale out loud, and when I'm talking about garage sales, which is basically the only conversations I have, um, I can say, oh, yeah, we went yard selling, we went garage selling, a garage seller, that sort of thing. But when I'm writing it in the review, it's a little more difficult because it's hard to make the distinction between someone who is garage selling, garage selling, a garage like, are they having a garage sale? Are they shopping at garage sales?
0: <laughs> what are they doing, right? It's, I mean, and do you distinguish yeah, between the so- ones who are serious about it and the ones who are just... Ah, this, you know, this is a neighbor. I'll just check out their stuff and learn things about my neighbor.
3: Oh, I can definitely, I can smell those guys for sure, definitely.
0: Because <laughs> I do that. When but there's garage sales down the street, I go. I'm not interested lose. in their junk, but like, I'm like, oh, so that's what you're into. Okay. <laughs> are you uh, one yeah, of you those people?
3: Through, yeah, you peruse.
1: <laughs> and do you <laughs> go, you know, they they say the garage sale starts at 8, but people show up at 6 a.m. Are you one of
0: those? Does that oh, happen? the
3: early burn.
1: Does we- that
0: happen up there where you are, Aaron?
3: Oh, uh, it happens everywhere, all around us. Yeah, I even, I even did a special edition of the Garage Sale Review, specifically focused on early birds and their cutthroat tactics. Really? Nice. One guy told me that he was chased out of a church with a broom because <laughs> he, uh, he'd arrived too early. <laughs> It's scary
1: out there. Aaron, is your publication online? Because this sounds like something I want to read every morning with my coffee.
3: Thegaragesalereview.com. All okay. right. We're checking it out, dude.
0: And you know yeah, what? I don't even know if we it have it. out, man. But let's, let's zero on the language thing here. Your problem is, what do you call a person? What is a person doing when they go to one of these sales, right? That's kind of your question?
3: Right. Because you can say, oh, yeah, I went garage selling, right?
1: Selling, S-E-L-L?
3: I guess so. But then also, when, I, when I'm writing it and when I'm talking about it in maybe a chat online or something, people will say garage sailing, like they're sailing a oh. boat, perhaps. Right. Or oh. they'll also say garage selling, garage sailors, garage sellers. And it's just really ambiguous. And in the end, I've been relegated to writing garage sale shopping or garage sale proprietor.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I can throw something in here that might add a little bit of clarity to what we're talking about. There is a vowel merger taking place in this part of the country that you're talking about where sale, S-A-L-E, and sell, S-E-L-L, sound a lot alike, Mm -hmm. and that's part of your confusion. So garage sale. That
3: definitely, that definitely plays into it, Graham. Garage a very sale very could be
0: garage sale or garage sell. Mm-hmm. As the leader mm. in, of your field, as like the top dog in the garage sale <laughs> review industry, because clearly you, you are. No I can idea. just I'll tell by talking to you. My heart. Just, uh, you're
1: the Roger Ebert of garage you're sales. A,
0: yes. You're in a position to create the lingo that everyone else uses. That's true. Use your power. That's true. Just come up with something that works for you yes. and just stick to it. Yes. Be like Walter Winchell. He used to do this. I, I was gonna say, some just
1: of, like Variety. Yeah. Some of
0: yeah, Variety set yeah. some of the lingo in Hollywood on a, like a, an eighty-year lifespan. Yeah. They just invented it on the spur of the moment because their headline was too long, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I like I, garage I really, I really
3: appreciate this advice. I really appreciate. It. I just didn't want to tread on any toes by, ah. by just throwing some terms out there, you know. But now that I've I've been given permission by you guys, I feel like I can move
0: forward. Oh man, you own it. In return, yeah. though, Aaron, I only want one thing. <laughs> I am on a long-term quest. For tablespoon-sized slotted spoons. <laughs> slotted spoons that are what the size... Was the,
3: what was the size?
0: Tablespoons. So they're basically a tablespoon, but they're slotted. I want these for serving, like, you know, like wet fruit in a bowl. So the liquid, you know, vegetables with water. Okay. So the water mm-hmm. drains off. I can't yeah. find them. So yeah. in return for giving you this great advice, because it's really solid. I know that it yeah. is. I want slotted spoons <laughs> if you find them.
1: Okay. And if you find a Hello Kitty <laughs> humidifier... Going. That's what I want. Hello, Hello
0: Kitty humidifier yep. and the slotted spoon. Yep. Yeah, but
1: tablespoon size, okay, not the I will big ones. Okay, keep my eyes open. Okay. okay. Aaron, Wait.
0: do me a favor. Send us a link to your website. We'll try to make sure the whole world knows about it. And let us know if any of the terms you come up with stick, all right?
3: Definitely, I will. Thank you, guys. I listen all the time. It's a great show.
0: Thank you. This is this is like one of the all-time favorite calls. Back at you.
3: (laughs) Oh, that's very exciting, (laughs) guys. I will look for your spoons and your humidifiers for the rest of my life until I find them. Okay, right on. I really appreciate when I get them.
1: (laughs)
0: All right. Bye bye.
1: Bye bye. Take it easy. You too. Who knew there was a thing? Who knew? Who knew? Now, I have to say, I love the terms garage sailing and yard sailing. I've I've heard people, yard sailors, use that. And I just, I love the image of sort of flying along on a magic carpet, you know, down the Yeah, it's it's got some of the
0: sunny blue sky aspects of a sloop on the harbor, right, Right. with your lover or something like that, right? I think it's no surprise that all this show is ostensibly about words and language. <laughs> Original language are woven into literally everything. It's Give us life. a call, 877-929-9673, email words at org, or talk about it on our really active Facebook group. Just look for A Way With Words. Hello, you have A Way With Words. Hello, this is Rick Howell calling from Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin.
1: Hi, Rick. Welcome to the show. Hello, Rick. What can we do for you? Well, I was
4: wondering, um, my grandmother used to have a saying, and... Uh, I don't know if it was she made it up or if it's bigger than that. Anyway, she used to say sometimes that you look like the wreck of the Hespers. And when she said that, it was usually if you look kind of a little tattered and torn maybe, and like you'd been through a a battle or something. And I didn't know if she made that up or if it was based on something historical.
1: Uh Uh-huh, the wreck of the Hespers, did you say? How would you spell that?
4: I don't know, actually. I just heard her say it, but I think it's like, H e s p e r s. At least that's how I heard it. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, There's something yeah. to it.
1: There is something to it. She didn't have the name of the wreck exactly right.
5: Oh, okay.
1: The name of the wreck is the Hesperus. H e s p e r u s. Hesperus. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And if you well, look that up, it's a poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow back. In 1842, he published this poem, and it's a poem about a terrible, terrible shipwreck, about a captain who takes his daughter to sea, and the the boat gets uh, just busted to smithereens by by a storm, and she's lashed to the mast and drifting in the water, dying, and it's it's horrible, and all this stuff washes up on shore, and it's just, I mean, if you look like the wreck of the Hesperus, you look pretty bad.
0: Yeah, it's all all written on—he wrote this based on the blizzard of 1839 off the coast of Massachusetts, where something like 20 ships foundered and 40-some-odd uh, lives were lost. And it was a really big deal at the time. Apparently, there wasn't really a Hesperus. He may have combined a, mm-hmm, a few names and, and a few facts uh, yeah. together to make oh, one okay. story. But um, this is the kind of poem—not this day and age, but there was a time where this is what you would memorize— in class, in school, this is the poem that you would have to present at the end of the year during the, you know, your f- equivalent of the finals, or the, the when the parents oh, really? came to, sh- to see what you'd been studying. Mm-hmm. Right,
1: yeah. right, PTA night or something. Yeah, something like, like that. that yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah, and the language, back reciting right. <laughs> it, you know, <laughs> exactly <laughs> up on the stage, and yeah, the language is simple enough, and the the story is dramatic enough. I mean, it's really sort of disaster literature. Mm-hmm. It's 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 pretty wow, gripping.
6: Wow, we, we must looked awful when she said that to us.
1: <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's been a
0: little bit of amelioration of what it means to be the look like the resc- wreck of the Hesperus. But yeah, <laughs> wow. Thanks, Rick.
4: Well, yeah. Thank you very much. Take okay. care, now. And, uh, take care.
0: Yeah. All Appreciate right. It. Okay. Yeah. Bye, bye, Rick. It includes such brilliant parts as this: "Oh, Father, I see a gleaming light. Oh, say, what may it be?" But the Father answered never a word. A frozen corpse was he. Oh,
1: oh! But, <laughs> but but you know, if you're an elementary school kid, that's pretty cool. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, this is your
0: roadside accident to look at. You're, you're looking. You're, you're a looky-loo for this poem, right?
1: Nineteenth-century <laughs> looky-loos. Yeah. Slowly yes.
0: driving by.
1: It's a little
0: melodramatic, though, right? That,
1: I I read it and it makes my heart race. I have it to is say. out
0: of copyright. You can find the full version of the wreck of the Hesperus all over the internet. Yes,
1: with beautiful illustrations. Henry Wadsworth
0: Longfellow. Yes. Email words at waywardradio.org. Talk to us on Twitter at W-A-Y-W-O-R-D.
1: Your questions, our answers. It's all about learning how to listen to language. Stay with us.
0: Thank you. You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett.
1: And I'm Martha Barnett. And joining us on the line from New York City is our quiz guy, John Chinesky. Hi, John.
5: Hi, Martha. Hi, Grant. What's up, bud? Well, I have a puzzle for you guys that has to do with a movie this week. Oh. A movie this week. A movie, right. Do you know the name uh, Jack Waltz? W O L T Z Jack Waltz is that familiar to you? Uh, was he no. in
0: Glorious Bastards? No. No. Oh, you're <laughs> thinking of uh, Christoph Waltz? Well, yes, right? that's uh, what I'm thinking of. Yeah, he's
5: yes. he's great, but no. Jack Waltz is a as a film character in the classic film The Godfather. Jack Waltz was the studio executive who refused to cast Vito Corleone's godson mm. Johnny Fontaine in a movie that would revive his career. Now, when Johnny asks his godfather if he can help, the Don says, "I'll make him an offer he can't refuse." Okay. Okay. Right? Famous right? One of the most famous lines in movies. In this puzzle, we're going to take another look at that classic movie line. Now, all writing is rewriting. Suppose Mario Puzo went through a few versions of that line. In one, Don Corleone offers to share his outlook on different issues of the day. So he says, I'll make him an offer to share my views. It just uh-huh. rhymes. It rhymes <laughs> so with refuse. So these are all going to rhyme? Oh, right. Is that it? Yes. Okay. The first okay. part is always the same. I'll make him an offer. The second part will end with a rhyme of refuse. Okay. Man, Let's we, try. we have
0: to do the, the Cullion voice. I would
5: appreciate that, yes. <laughs> gotcha. No. In this version, the Don offers to take Waltz down to Mississippi and Louisiana to hear some melancholic music. I'll make him mm-hmm. an offer to hear the blues. Oh, exactly. Good, good, good. I'll make him an offer. That's to not hear a very good blues. I'm sorry, Brandon. That that, that's excellent. Please, at least as good as mine. That's for sure. In one version, that's perhaps a little too on the nose. The Don offers to hit him so hard it leaves a mark.
1: I'll make him an offer that leaves a bruise.
5: Yes. <laughs> I'll make an offer that leaves a bruise. Perhaps Waltz would be receptive to a six-day, seven-night stay on a on board a luxurious ship.
0: <laughs> I'll make him an offer to take a cruise. Whatever. Take a cruise. I sound more, more like a you know, Long Island mother. You know? I'll make him an offer he can't
1: refuse. <laughs> <You're> never <laughs> write, never Put the cigarette
5: down and tell him to come on a cruise. <laughs> <laughs> now, Vito Corleone knew a lot of powerful people in Hollywood. Maybe he could hook Waltz up with a famous aviator and director? I'll huh?
1: make him an offer with Howard Hughes.
5: <laughs> right, to meet Howard Hughes. Very good. That one could actually have worked. Right. He if he's in Hollywood, Waltz was probably a member of the Fires <laughs> Club. Perhaps Corleone could take care of any fees involved in such a thing? I'll make him an offer to
0: pay his dues. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I think that would be a very nice gesture. I got could put, like,
0: the cotton padding in my cheeks to really get the voice <laughs> it right. It helps.
5: Yeah. Grab some tissues or something. Now a horse's head is one thing, but suppose Corleone threatens to color the guy yellowish green. Making him offer to change his hues? Uh, that's that's pretty cool. Oh, make him chartreuse. Yes. <laughs> of course a fancy studio executive like him could probably be bribed by a fancy pair of loafers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> make him an offer. A new pair of shoes.
5: (laughs) A new pair of shoes. Hopefully not concrete. You guys were fantastic at this Corleone quiz. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. Okay. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Thank you, guys. I'll see you at the movies. All right.
0: (laughs) Bye. 877-929-9673. Send all your words and language, thoughts, and questions to words at waywardradio.org. Talk to us on Twitter under the handle wayward, W-A-Y-W-O-R-D, and join the really lively conversation at our Facebook group.
1: Hello. You have a way with words.
7: Good morning. This is Sandy calling from Pacific Grove, California.
1: Hi, Sandy. Welcome.
7: Hi. Yes. Hey. Um, well, my husband and I th- saw the word "buried" uh, written, and it occurred to us that we always pronounce it like r- like raspberry, and um, when we read it, it looks like buried. Buried. And. Is that is there a correct way or an incorrect way and does anybody ever actually pronounce it buried?
1: Oh boy, you've opened a can um, of berries last, here.
0: Last question first. Yes, people do say buried. Um, just ah. go to Pennsylvania. There'll be lots of them. Go to Maryland. Go to Maryland. And is there a correct way? Well, you know how we are in this show. We believe in Variation, and we think variation in English is normal. So there is a common pronunciation, and then there's a less common one. But there's a really interesting story about why there's more than one pronunciation. Do you want to hear it?
7: Yes, I'd love
0: to. So the Old English word was spelled B-Y-R-G-A-N. It was pronounced something like Burian. And so as this word in the United Kingdom spread around, there came about a bunch of regional pronunciations— Different vowels happening here and eventually it started to be sounded like bury or berry or beery, something like that. Uh-huh. And at the same time the pronunciations were shifting, we also had the spellings were shifting. And there became standardization of both later. But what happened was the pronunciation standardized in a way that didn't necessarily match with the spelling standardization. Uh-huh,
2: so you right. end up with
0: B-U-R-Y for most people in the UK and the US is pronounced berry.
7: Very it's not right. like, it's not
0: quite like b r r b e r r y like the fruit but it's very close to it. However, those other pronunciation traditions did not die out, and when those people settled in the United States and other parts of the English-speaking world, they brought that particular pronunciation with them, which is why in Maryland and Pennsylvania you can sometimes still hear it, and they have a long-standing historical connection to those old dialect traditions in the United Kingdom. It's not like uh-huh. they've all independently decided, "Oh, we're going to pronounce it like it looks."
7: Right, right. Well, that's interesting because we moved from Maryland, and I thought I was sure that I had heard it a lot more, and now I don't hear it at all. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yes, and my daughter moved up to Canada, and she was pronouncing it buried, and I asked her, I said, Do you say buried? And she said, Hmm, I don't think I do. And she asked, people up in Canada and they all say Barry. Mm-hmm. So now she says Barry.
1: Uh-huh. That's interesting mm-hmm. because I spend a lot of time around someone from Maryland and I now say bury, Burry. Even though I used to say Barry.
0: And there are parts yeah. of Pennsylvania and New Jersey and a little bit of Maryland, parts of Delaware, where they might say Murray instead of Mary, like Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. And they might say American instead of American. And, ah, the, uh, the, okay. and Furry instead of fairy. I mean, I'm kind of over-exaggerating the different pronunciations just so you can hear it. But it's really an interesting like a nice pocket of very consistent dialect speech there. That particular difference has been studied for at least 100 years. So, Sandy, you're not wrong. Yeah, not wrong. Right,
1: right. But a a good
0: reason that they should be different. Um, Like we always say on the show, there's more than one way to say things. The most common one is going to get you in the least trouble, but the other one's fine if that's all you have.
7: Right, yes, yes. Okay, well, thank you very much. Very interesting.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
7: Thanks, thanks for your information. Bye-bye. Okay,
1: bye-bye, Sandy. We love that diversity in English. We'd love to hear what you've noticed, 877-929-9673, or send it to us in email. The address is words at waywordradio.org. I have another neologism from the Irish Railway's Give Up Your Seat campaign, Mm -hmm. these uh, signs that are on the trains that describe behaviors that you might use to keep somebody off the seat next to you. Here's one. It's a noun, a mobile phony. A mobile phony is somebody who's exploiting one's mobile phone in a fraudulent manner by engaging in a fake phone conversation, avoiding any obligation to give up their seat. Uh, I'm I, sorry,
0: I was on this call. Can you repeat that? I was just doing something over oh. here on my phone talking to somebody. Else. <laughs> but I get it. I know those people.
1: I've been that I've person. I've seen women I'm do it at
0: night. When oh, they yeah. have the phone conversation, real or imagined, because you they're not you. sure if I'm dangerous or you not. Bet you betcha. Yeah.
1: You betcha. You. I know you're not dangerous, but I'm a stranger. If I'm a stranger,
0: I... you don't know. I'm a big That's guy. True. Right? In the That's dark, true. the oh. true. That's true. That's
1: true. I am guilty. I'm a mobile phone. But phony. on the
0: train, do you do it? On, on the subway? <laughs> yes. but... You do. You're a <laughs> terrible person, Martha Barnett. What do you want? <laughs> if I ever see you on the subway, I, I, I want don't... the
1: seat next to me, is what I want. And I want you to call us <laughs> on your mobile phone, 877. Seven nine two nine nine six seven three. Hello, you have a way with words.
4: Hi, this is Brian in Wyoming.
1: Brian in Wyoming.
0: Hi, Brian. Welcome to the show.
4: Thanks, Grant. Um, let me tell you what my question was. Uh, the other day, a friend and I were saddling up to get off and do a rather dangerous, dirty job, and I said to him, uh, well, once more into the breach. He had never heard the phrase. I got started thinking you don't hear it very much. Uh, if anything, these days you hear it as a security breach. Oh, an yeah. uh, information breach. And I just wondered uh if you guys knew the the origins of that like the breach of a, an artillery piece or the breach of a uh, pistol or rifle.
0: Yeah, they're they're all the same. They're all refer to a gap. That's it. It's a space mm-hmm. between two two things or one thing that has a space in it. Um ah. including a breach birth actually. So, but the particular phrase that you're talking about comes from a Shakespeare play. Um Henry V, there's a rousing scene where um, the troops are basically being rallied. There's a couple interpretations of this, but I'm going with the rousing scene part. And the line is something like, "Once more unto the breach, dear friends! Once more, or close the wall up with our English dead." So basically, oh, he's saying he's saying like either he's like either get in there and fight, or we're just gonna block them with our dead bodies.
4: <laughs> Great. Yeah, I had I had thought possibly uh, maybe uh, Wellington at Trafalgar or something too, but uh, yeah.
3: That's neat. Shakespeare. Yeah, this yeah, whole he
0: passage, it. Uh, Henry V is actually a really accessible play. Um, there's much of this that uh, reflects, even today, kind of the political intrigues of any major world government. It's funny how much he, he nailed the, the the push and pull of mm-hmm. what kind of war are we fighting here anyway, the, yeah, the fight there's... over the kinds of battles that we lead.
4: Nothing changes, I guess.
0: No, no. What's, what was the dirty work that you were doing when you thought about this uh, Once More Unto the Breach
4: I, uh, I work in the oil fields. So I oh. drive a water truck in the oil patch. Oh, mm-hmm.
0: I see. Wow, yeah, that could... Uh... So if
4: you get out here in the middle of the night in the blizzard sometime, you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> Send me pictures. <laughs> That's enough.
1: It's I'll all yours. San Diego. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for your call, Brian. Really appreciate it.
1: Thanks very much. Bye-bye. All
0: right, take care now. Take care. Bye-bye. Once more into the breach. It, it, it's, it's hair-raising. It really is. I mean, read the little bit that comes before. I just dig that up. Mm-hmm. Look, Google Once More Under the Breach. All of Shakespeare's online for mm-hmm. free. Um, in peace, there's nothing so becomes a man as modest stillness and humility. But when the blast of war blows in our ears, then imitate the action of the tiger.
1: Oh, indeed. Indeed.
0: <laughs> it's good, right? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. There's a wonderful Kenneth Branagh film.
0: Yeah, well, he's outstanding. Oh like, one of the best yeah, experience that we yeah. have alive, right?
1: Yeah, bloody, bloody movie.
0: Stiffen the sinews, summon up the blood, disguise fair nature with hard, favored rage.
2: Good.
0: Yeah, it's good That's stuff. That's 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org.
1: Scartle.
0: Martle. <laughs> We're doing a word game, right?
1: Um, No, I was just, I was sharing a word with you. Okay, thanks. I was thanks. having a word with I'll you. I'll just
0: put that in my pocket. Yeah. You can yeah. call us with questions. No, did you have more <laughs> to say about that?
1: I did. The okay. word scartle is scartle. one of my new favorites. Is it's this an- what
0: a crab does on this? Sand when it's too hot. Interesting that you
1: sort of scartling a lot like sculling, kind of but know. yeah, something like yeah, that. I don't know. Yeah, it's an old Scots word that means to scrape together what little bit of money you have. Okay, you know, I, th- I think of scartling to go to the laundromat. The back pennies, in the, the day. coins that fell into the couch yeah, cushions, that sort of thing. Right, right, and you carry them in your hand. It it goes back to an old word that's related to scratch. And the, it was formed by metathesis, mm-hmm. flipping the letters.
0: Oh, the, the, Scartle. The, the consonants switching around. There. Yeah. Scartle. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Scartle yeah, um, the bits of change that end up between the two seats in the car and mm-hmm. the bits of change that are in the zip pocket of your backpack. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah You've scartled all that and skartle you're going to go to the vending machine there or something. 877 is the number to call to talk about language or send your questions to words at waywardradio.org. Hello,
0: you have a way with words.
8: Hi, this is uh, Colin Peacock from London, Ontario.
0: Welcome to the show. What's up?
8: Hi. Um, well, I was um, at a pub a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about uh, celebrities that we've, you know, liked or uh, and uh, the conversation had sort of turned to people we'd started to dislike over the past couple of years because of stuff they'd said on Twitter, or social media, or projects they'd been funding, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, you know, with um, people like Bill Cosby and, and uh, people like that in media right now, it's, you know, there's this sensation sometimes of, you know, you have somebody that you like and respect, and you have this feeling of falling out of these cele- out of love with these celebrities.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. You sort of feel like it's a matter of time almost. <laughs> so every single yeah. person will let you down.
8: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, um, I really like Chris Pratt right now, but I have this anxiety around, like, you know, at some point, I think he's going to say something.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's going to be emboldened by his celebrity (laughs) and say the dark, dark deep thoughts. that.
8: (laughs) Yeah, um, Yeah. exactly. So um, what I was kind of wondering um, and what the table had been wondering at the time um, was like, is there a term for this? The the way we, you know, like celebrities and then fall out
0: of love with them. Mm. Isn't it very much the way that you feel eventually that your parents aren't the great gods that you first thought them to be? That's a really good comparison. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you go back into falling back into respect i won't say love is not quite the word but you go back into respecting them when you're older and you start to understand the difficulties they were there what they were in when having kids careers bills that stuff but um yeah, yeah bill cosby is, is a big one for me yeah i loved his stuff as a kid and I now I'm, I'm like horrified by what i'm reading and hearing and i know i'm like wait a second i uh, i thought he was the funny grandfatherly fatherly type
1: well yeah oh, yeah. yeah so if we were going to coin a term, I think. Cosbeed is just, it's too easy. Yeah. Jelloid, I, I don't think so. But it's not, so. he wasn't the first,
0: though. How no, well,
1: no. Happened? I mean, let's go back to King David. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about clay feet, you know?
0: There's a go notion ahead. of betrayal here, but it's not that you have a personal relationship with these celebrities, right? right yeah, Colin? there's that. Yeah. I mean, I would say that. It's different if it's a mentor, say, a, a college professor that you looked up to and they later. You know, don't approve the grant application that you wanted or don't pick you for the special position or that sort of thing. That's a different kind of feeling betrayed than a celebrity who'd never heard of you that hasn't yeah. held up to their public image. Sports figures do this all the time, don't they? Yeah, I think so.
1: Well, yeah, sports figures, that's another one. So a term for that, for that disillusionment is what you're talking mm. about. Yeah,
0: exactly. So mm. disillusionment plus disappointment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're, you're mm, being okay. let down. It's quite a comedown.
1: Did your fellow uh, drinkers in the pub come up with anything?
0: Uh, we weren't able to come up with anything at the time. Um, uh, nothing clever, anyway.
1: Mm. We do have a lot of clever listeners, I bet, who would like to weigh in on this. With
0: no shortage of opinions and access to email, what's the one word, verb, noun, adjective, something that you could use for a situation where a celebrity has not lived up to their Perfect public image where they've done something so horrific that you have to stop respecting them, consuming their works, or even thinking about them. Yeah. 877 929 9673 email words at waywardradio.org. Well, Colin, we'll see what we get, all right? Great, thank you. Yeah, sure. Thanks for calling. Really appreciate it.
1: Thanks a lot, Colin. <laughs> Here is another made-up word that you'll see on trains in Ireland now as part of the Give Up Your Seat campaign, trying to nudge people to be generous by letting people sit on the seat next to them. I guess they're pretty crowded trains there. Um, This term is a verb. It's goggle bluffing. And it means to subtly avert one's eyes or bluff the direction of one's goggles, usually committing to a line of sight that avoids eye contact with any passenger in desperate need of a seat. Have you not done that? Have we not all been there? Oh, probably. Oh, I am so busted. I've but done all of these things. But it depends on the
0: person. I mean, on the subways in New York, like, when the person comes in who clearly hasn't bathed in a while and yeah. they've got nine bags of things. yeah. And, but don't they
1: need a seat? They, they probably need a seat more than you do. They
0: do. But you
1: goggle bluff.
0: Sometimes. Yeah, you kind of. I'm a just, bad man. Yeah. <laughs> well, what is it? The thing is, all of these terms come back to the fact that when you make eye contact with a human being, yep. you are giving them a gift of your attention. You and are. you are suggesting that you are willing to deal with them. Mm-hmm. And so much of this is an avoidance of that eye contact, yeah. that yeah. basic human interaction that says, I acknowledge you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Isn't that communication at its basic, basic form, right?
1: Indeed, which is what we talk about on this show. So call us 877 929
0: 9673. On the way, more conversation about what we say and how we say it. Stay tuned. A minute. We need your help.
1: Head over to gum.fm/slash words and share your thoughts in our quick survey.
0: Your feedback matters. It's the backbone of our show's success.
1: Thanks for making our show even more successful.
0: That's gum.fm/slash W-O-R-D-S. Thank you. You're listening to Away with Words, a show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett.
1: And I'm Martha Barnett. Grant, I've been dictionary diving again.
0: Backstroke and the letter M or yep, something?
1: Yep, yep. Big jackknife right into Ooh, the letter
0: knife. U. The letter U. Yep. And what did you find?
1: I found the coolest word, upsitting.
0: Okay, um, let me guess. Okay. You know, somebody has died and you're sitting up with them at night.
1: Mm, good guess, no. but no. What is it? No. Well, the archaic use of it back as far as the 16th century is upsitting is the first time a woman sits up to receive company after having a baby, after oh, her period I of confinement. Isn't I that see. nice? This is when
0: we were more formal about these things. Yeah. Rather than seeing she has a baby on Monday and goes to yoga on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Yes. It was more of an occasion. And sometimes, oh. you know, people would bring a lot of food and there would be a feast. So, so an she's upsitting. got the
0: beautiful motherly glow, the sweet little maybe, new yeah. babies nearby. <laughs> or
1: maybe the postpartum blues. I don't uh, know. I don't know, so but it's an occasion and I love upsitting. the notion of it being an occasion. So you would
0: attend an upsitting or get invited yes. to an upsitting. Yes,
1: yes. Or or that day would have been her upsitting. Oh, I see. And there's one more use of upsitting that really fascinated me. This has to do with a type of dating practice among the Boers in South Africa in the
0: 1800s. I can't even 1800s, think. Is this 1800s. where you sit with the one you're wooing in public uh, yep. sight yep. of the Not, parents of the chaperone or something? More
1: or less. You're very, very close. Well, let me just read you this description okay. from a book by William Charles Baldwin. He published this in 1860. It's called African Hunting from Natal to the Zambezi, and he has this description of upsitting in that part of the world. He writes If you admire anyone in particular, you take the first opportunity that presents itself of asking her to upsit. Should this be accorded, when the old people and all the rest of the household have retired, a curtain frequently being all the partition between the sitting and the bedrooms, The chosen one again appears with a candle, short or long, according as she fancies you or otherwise, and remains as long as that burns, all conversation (laughs) being carried on in whispers, and the fair one being obliged to sit very close and talk very low for fear of disturbing the inmates on the other side of the curtain."
0: So the candle, long candle means I really like you. Short candle means... Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: stick around, dude. (laughs) And then the guy is in charge of making sure that the candle is always trimmed, Mm. that it doesn't flicker or flare, get into a draft, because as soon as the candle goes out... (laughs) He's got to leave. Isn't that great? That's great. Yeah. And Baldwin writes, I've been present, stretched on the floor on a blanket, asleep, apparently, no doubt, when two upsittings have been going on at opposite corners of a large room. All still as the grave, but the subdued whisperings of the happy pairs.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. And it sounds really romantic. Doesn't it? Today, we would probably say, I've only got 20% charge on my phone. I can't stay long. (laughs) That's the equivalent of the exactly. short candle, right?
1: Exactly. You were supposed to bring a phone charger, dude.
0: <laughs> That's nice. Dictionary yeah. diving has Dictionary rewards. Diving, right? Uh, 877-929-9673. <laughs> Email words at waywardradio.org. Talk to us on Twitter at WayWord and find us on Facebook. Just look for Away With Words. Hello, you have Away With Words. Hi, this is Max from Dallas. Hello, Max. How you doing? Hey, Max. Uh,
1: uh, my
4: wife and I... Uh, Recently, had a discussion on uh, teeter totter versus seesaw, and uh, she believes that it's teeter totter all day long. And I, I, I grew up with seesaw, and uh, we we we've been bickering back and forth ever since. So hopefully, you guys can settle this one once and for all. I, I bet love this. I
0: do too. I bet she's not from Texas.
4: No, uh, actually, I'm from New Jersey, and she's from Ohio.
0: Oh, interesting. interesting. And right? you say which one? Do you say? Uh, I say seesaw,
1: and I just have this great mental picture, Max, of you and your wife on a seesaw, or a teeter-totter, going up and down, <laughs> having this discussion it, about whether it's seesaw or teeter-totter. Absolutely,
4: we've 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 asked everybody we know, including uh, my my wife's uh, eighty eighty year old grandmother, and uh, it's been it's been crazy.
1: Okay, and what does she say?
4: Uh, the her grandmother says uh, teeter-totter,
0: and she's from Ohio. Also, she is.
1: Interesting because this really does sort of seesaw back and forth in terms of the location where people say different things. I mean, usually in general, you see teeter totter more across the northern part of the country yeah the west East. and
0: the northwest yeah. and northern plains states that sort of thing
1: exactly and then seesaw is through the south i mean if you look at maps of where these two terms are used i mean it sort of looks like a teeter-totter in a way i mean because it kind of does right? you know like half and <laughs>
0: half most of texas says seesaw are used to before the big yeah. influx of people from other parts of the country
1: yeah. And and okay. I, yeah, and I can tell you growing up in Kentucky, I said seesaw, but I remember people every once in a while these interlopers <laughs> would would come to our elementary school, you well, know, these new students. Ways. Yeah, these new students from the <laughs> north and to me, teeter-totter sounded so pretentious.
0: I'm looking at this wonderful map, these two maps in the Dictionary of American Regional English. And I'm originally from Missouri, and it is well known as a state with some linguistic ambiguities and conflicts. And sure enough, you can see by the map, it's half Seesaw and half Teeter-totter. Mm-hmm. I grew up with both. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly both. Like, no, yeah. there was never any real understanding that one was better than the other. Just...
1: yeah, I believe Seesaw is much older.
0: Oh yeah. And, and you know, those aren't the only ones, Max. There's a ton of terms. When the folks, the editors and lexicographers at the Dictionary of American Regional English did their survey where they went around the country with these little vans and tape recorders in the nineteen sixties and seventies, they asked the question about what people called this particular playground device, and I think there's something like thirty or forty responses. So Max, you're both right. You both each other owe each other a kiss and a dinner and dishes.
1: Okay, I can do that. I think you need to hit a playground, you know, just for old times' sake. <laughs> yeah. And you get on the just, just the... for
4: old times' sake. Get on the get on the old uh, seesaw. Yeah. Or Peter Cotter. And,
0: and do the childhood dream finally now that you're an adult and you can do whatever you like of launching the other person into space. That's what we always tried. <laughs> it never really worked like the cartoons. I can do that. Cool, Come Max. Thanks for call. Really All appreciate right, well, it. Thank, thank you very much. Cheers All now. right. Bye bye. Yep. Bye bye. You know, we we're talking about the Dictionary of American Regional English a lot on this show. Yes, we do. This is one of those cases where the you can't get this information with this kind of clarity mm-hmm. anywhere else. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a real thing. It's a genuine
0: genuine thing. It shows it indicates things like settlement patterns and mm-hmm. the way that language spreads among people mm-hmm. who are alike Migration, each other. Migration, yeah, yes. It's pretty cool. 877-929-9673.
1: Grant, I came across a cool hiking term the other day that I think you'll appreciate. It's ledge out.
0: Um, no guesses here. Okay. What is that?
1: Okay. You might talk about a hiker being ledged out. In fact, I was reading a report of a hiker who got ledged out in one of the state parks here. And that has to do with the fact that when you're trained to do wilderness backpacking, one of the things you're trained to do is to look back frequently when you're hiking so Mm -hmm. that you know what the trail looks like from the opposite Mm -hmm. direction. Mm -hmm. And if you forget to do that and you sort of lose track of where you are and are not paying attention, sometimes if you're trying to get someplace, you can go down and down and down a mountain and start to slide over rocks and slide over ledges to get to the next level. But if you're not continually looking back, you might just get yourself too far down a ledge so that you can't get back up.
0: So, what do you do when you get ledged out? Shout you, for your friends? You or do. You get on the call. Phone?
1: Yeah, you call the rescue people. And I found that a fascinating term, but I also found it fascinating metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Isn't that just a great notion that, that you need to keep looking back yeah. and paying attention to where you are, or you'll get ledge? So, out. just to be
0: clear here, you're, you are allowing gravity to let you slip down a distance that is impossible for you to climb back up. Thank
1: you. That's exactly what oh, I'm trying to say. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. I can yeah see wh- that.
1: that sounds like the stuff of nightmares, yeah, doesn't it? definitely it? does. Like yeah. But it in, happens. Down in a
0: hole and it no, happens. like well, down in a well, basically. Yeah. Mm. 877 929 email words at waywardradio.org. Try us on Twitter at WayWord, and find us on Facebook. Look for A Way With Words. Hello, you have A Way With Words. Hello,
9: it's Robert Brown from Encinitas.
0: Hey, Hello, Robert, how you doing?
9: I'm doing great. How are you all doing?
0: All right. What's Wonderful. cooking? What's on your mind? What are you, what are you thinking about?
9: Well, it's, it's a saying called a told last, or a TL. And
0: told last? One. Like T-O-L-D? Told
9: last. Yeah. T-O-L-D last, L-A-S-T. And one day my wife came home and said to me, I have a TL for you. And I asked, what's a TL? Uh, She answered, it meant told last and proceeded to tell me that it was a compliment made to her about me from a mutual friend,
2: Mm -hmm. or it could be anyone. Mm -hmm.
9: And that I therefore would be the one who was told last. And I replied, why would I be Told last. And she replied, because if you repeat it, you're bragging. I asked her, is this a family mythology type thing, or, a, or is it a broader thing? And she didn't know. And so I'm just wondering, what's with a TL?
1: Well, Robert, let me ask you, um, where are the two of you from?
9: Well, she was born in Berkeley, and I was born in the Central Valley, a little town called Hanford.
1: Okay, so you're both Californians. Correct. Yeah, that actually sounds like a variant of a more common term, which is trade last, which has the same initials T-L. And it's exactly as you described it. Somebody, uh, say, gives Grant a compliment, and so then I come to Grant, and I say, Grant, I have a compliment for you, but he has to tell me a compliment about me first.
0: Oh, I see. So you trade compliments. Are these real yeah. things? Or are these things that you, uh, yeah. you just invent them to make each other feel good?
1: I mean, it was a real compliment in your case, right, Robert?
0: Yes, mm-hmm. it was,
9: but I, I didn't have to trade it for anything. Oh, you
1: didn't? But- she just went ahead and told you.
9: Yeah, uh-huh. and she called it a told last, and she said it was just something that they had in their family.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know? Interestingly enough, it's, it's not just in the family. It, it goes back to at least the 1880s, 1890s. It may have arisen among schoolgirls. It sounds like the, a kind of schoolgirl thing to do. Yeah. But uh, Rudyard Kipling used this expression. He used the expression, trade last. Uh, and I think told last is a variant of mm-hmm. that.
0: Until last comes up now and again. Yeah. LL last. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty widespread, though. We find it popping up all across the country. Mm-hmm. Really, it's long past its heyday, though. At yeah. this point, it's a historical curiosity, mostly.
1: Yeah. It's kind of a fun practice, well, though. I'm wondering what the compliment was. Can you share it with us?
9: Uh, it's been, I mean, this was 40 years ago. Oh, okay. So I've been waiting 40 years to find out. Whoa. What? <laughs>
1: <So much.
9: laughs> I'm a patient person.
1: (laughs) Apparently (laughs) so, Robert.
9: (laughs) But Rudyard Kipling's a pretty good, you know, I mean, that's a good reference. I like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. He used it at least a couple of times in his work. Yeah, so great long tradition.
0: Thank you, Robert, for the call. Really appreciate it. Okay, thank you so much. Take Take care care. now. Bye-bye.
1: Okay, bye-bye.
0: Email words at waywardradio.org. Try us on Twitter at Wayward and find us on Facebook. Just look for A Way With Words.
1: On an earlier show, we were talking about conversational openers, how to start a conversation with people and and dig a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. than just the weather. We got some suggestions from listeners. Beverly in Vermont says that the question she uses is, what keeps you busy? Which I really like. What keeps you
0: busy? busy? Yeah,
1: because that way, you know, if the person feels self conscious about his or her work Mm -hmm. or or not having work, what keeps you busy?
0: So, job, hobby, family, outings, whatever. Yeah, it
1: gives the listener a lot of discretion. Mm -hmm. And we also heard from Tracy who suggested saying, Are you from? whatever the place is oh. because because these days people are from all over yeah. places are such a melting pot yeah
0: that always worked in new york it always works here in san diego that always worked in the bay area when i lived there yeah yeah, yeah. Are, are, you, are, you from, are you from san francisco yeah like no right. but i spent a year and then there's a story yeah. and you find out why they moved and mm-hmm. who came with them yeah. and where they're living <laughs>
1: pretty soon you're looking for a way out right <laughs> <laughs> no no not, not necessarily
0: I mean, If i'm talkative <laughs> This is a show about language and human communication. Give us a call, 877 929 9673. Hello, you have a way with words.
6: Hi, this is Claudia, and I'm calling from Gardnerville, Nevada. Hey, Claudia,
0: welcome. Hi, how are you doing?
6: I'm good, thank you.
1: Great. Well, Claudia, what's on your mind?
6: My mom, um, who's passed away about six years ago, she used to always say something to me, and it's always confused me, and I thought maybe you guys could help me out with it. You and try. Um, So when I was a kid, if something was happening that was big, say there was a big snowstorm, she would always say, it is snowing to beat the band. And I thought that was interesting, but then it could be used. In, m- in many different ways. It could be she was running to beat the band or they were driving to beat the band. And I never understood what the band reference was and why that would be used in that way. And I was wondering if you had any
1: ideas. Yeah, that is a crazy reference, isn't it? I, I feel sorry yes. for people who are learning English
0: because That's <laughs> what in the world there, to beat yeah. the band? Beat the band. <laughs> it and probably I, t- does.
6: I, t- I came thinking of a marching band and I was like, that is not very fast. <laughs> That's true, oh, yeah, they don't move it- very
0: quickly well, here's the thing about the <laughs> band. It's about the noise they make, not the speed at which they march. And so oh. originally it looks like the historical record is pretty clear on this. Late 1800s we start to see uses that pop up where it's usually somebody shouting to beat the band or singing to beat the band or talking to beat the band, meaning they are so loud that they're overcoming the music that's being made, and then it becomes made. metaphorical pretty quickly. And so anything can beat the band usually as a kind of positive, like... Um, he was dressed to beat the band or the store sold out all of its goods to beat the band or something like that. And that's where we are today. That's why you can have somebody running full out to beat the band and not have it really to do with the band being fast or slow.
6: That makes total sense. Yeah. Well, thank you for clearing that up for me.
0: Yeah, that's sure. Crazy. Glad to have you on the show. Thanks for calling.
7: <laughs> thank you. Take care All now. right. Have a great day. You Bye,
0: too. Claudia. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. I know we have a lot of people listening to the show who are learning English as a second language or perfecting English as a second language. Or third or fourth. Or third or fourth. And I just want to apologize. (laughs) On behalf (laughs) of the
1: English language.
0: And it's (laughs) terrible (laughs) idioms and how utterly (laughs) opaque they are. I'm sorry.
1: Of course, maybe they're as charmed as we are by idioms in other languages. But but that one that would be so opaque. (laughs) Yeah, it would would first look at it. And
0: even once you know the etymology you're still like, All right, but it still sounds weird.
1: Yeah, but I'm thinking too of maybe you had more experience with bands, with marching back in that
0: yeah. Period. You well, know, we're marching not necessarily bands, even talking marching band. It might be the band. the band playing in the quarter at a dance. It could just be oh, the yeah, band right. playing okay. at some yeah. kind of public ceremony where the mayor is about to speak.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. And you're having to shout over yeah. to be heard. Yeah.
0: This is a show about words and language and how we use them and why. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org.
1: A word we might want to be tracking is millennials. Did you run across this one? Millennials. Millennials. What are millennials? Well, we had millennials. Millennials
0: who eat (laughs) blinis?
1: No, they're millennials who are bilingual.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Bilingual, but millennial. Millennials.
1: And broadcasters in particular are starting to court the millennial market. These are the millennials who are bilingual, but they're gravitating away from the, the telenovelas, the mm-hmm. brassy stuff. They, they were raised on things like Full House and American Family Fair Matters and all of than... that. So they're trying to find programming that fits that uh, demographic. Millennials.
0: Right. As the Spanish-speaking audience um, isn't just Spanish-speaking, it's second, third, fourth, fifth generation people who belong to the culture but don't necessarily have the language. Mm-hmm. Really interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Want more of A Way With Words? Listen to years of past episodes at waywardradio.org. Or find the show in any podcast app or
0: iTunes. The toll-free line is always open, so leave a message at 877-929-9673, and we'll take a listen.
1: we love to get your messages at words at waywardradio.org. Or hit us up on Twitter at W-A-Y-W-O-R-D. And look for us on Facebook.
0: This program would not be possible without you. Martha and I are out to change the way we listen and think about language, and you're making it happen.
1: Thanks also to senior producer Stephanie Levine and director and editor Tim Felton in San Diego.
0: In New York, we thank production wizard James Ramsey, quiz guy John Chinesky, and that master of keeping it real, Paul Ruist at Argo Studios.
1: Away with Words is an
0: independent production of Wayward Inc. From the Track Recording Center at Studio West in San Diego, I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. Thank you, bye bye. So long.